0: And now, church family, would you turn in your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. The Gospel of John, chapter 12, please. We begin today a series entitled, Days Before the Cross and the Resurrection. Days Before the Cross and the Resurrection. And more specifically... Today's message is entitled Finding Ways to Express Your Thanksgiving, Honor, and Your Extravagant Love for Jesus. Today we will focus we will focus on the story of a dear woman who anointed Jesus with very expensive perfume. This event probably happened on the Saturday evening before the Sunday when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a young donkey. The story is really, I would say, it's really about a family expressing their thanksgiving, honor, and extravagant love for Jesus. Perhaps you have never quite seen it that way before, but I hope you'll see as we progress through the biblical account. And so our theme, as I've said, is finding ways to express your and mine, to express our thanksgiving honor and extravagant love for Jesus. Here is what the Word of God says in John 12, beginning at verse 1. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. That rascal... Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. When the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would say something special to each one of us from this passage of Scripture I pray, Lord, that you would open up our minds and hearts to truth that we already knew and some truth that perhaps is starting to come to the forefront that we perhaps have never heard before. Uh, Open up our minds and hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. As I read and studied this part of our Holy Bible, my friends, I believe this, this dinner, this dinner that is described here, was most likely a thanksgiving dinner for the fact that Jesus had brought back to life Lazarus, who had been dead for four days. Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha wanted to express thanksgiving, to express their deepest gratitude, obviously, for what Jesus had done, raising Lazarus up from the dead. And so they planned a lovely dinner. It's possible that the dinner celebration was at the house of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Or according to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, verse 6, they they might have held the celebration at the home of Simon, a man with leprosy who had been healed by Jesus. And it's possible that Mary and Martha cooked the meal and, uh, at Simon's home or took it over there. It's not quite clear, but it really, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that Mary and Martha and Lazarus in their own way wanted to express a great sense of thanksgiving for the miracle that Jesus had done in bringing back to life their dear brother Lazarus. And so... What might be, what might be some ways in which you and I, in a personal setting, on a personal level, level what might be some ways in which you and I can express our thanksgiving and our, our honor and, and our love for Jesus? This family did it in their own way and their context in that first century. What might be some of the ways in which you and I might do something similar. Well, think with me. Perhaps, perhaps you might want to hold a dinner. You might want to hold a dinner. That's what Mary and Martha did, hold a special dinner. Invite some family members, some friends, but also also some people that are perhaps strangers to you and and are in the process and can be in the process of becoming friends with you and your family. But invite them and, and say say to them, would you come over? Come, come. Come to our dinner at which we want to simply express thanksgiving to the Lord for his blessings. And and when you come, can you also prepare yourself to share to share some of the good things the Lord has been doing in your life, some of the things that you are grateful for. And um, as I speak those words, I want to commend, in fact, I want to commend the many of you who, across the years, have held Thanksgiving dinners and services to which, uh, to which you have invited me or one of our other pastors to lead the service, to so lead the singing, and, and bring a message. And, and some of you have already been doing this for many years. Uh, and by the way, you don't have to. You don't have to have me or one of our other pastors come. You can have a dinner with a group to express gratitude and to honor the Lord. But, but if you want one of us pastors to come, certainly let us know. And if at all possible, we want to be there and we want to rejoice and we want to celebrate with you, celebrate the Lord's goodness and graciousness. Amen? Amen. Uh, you know, I was just thinking, I was just thinking in the case, in the case of Mary and Martha, Jesus was there physically with them. You know what I found? When God's people get together, Jesus shows up. Perhaps not physically. But the Lord shows up by his Spirit. And many times when I've been in your homes and uh, when we've held Thanksgiving gatherings, I kind of smile and I say, Lord, you are the unseen guest here. You are the present one. Amen? But you don't have to hold a dinner uh, to express your Thanksgiving honor and love for Jesus. You don't have to do it that way. It's one of the possibilities. On occasion, you might want to uh, hold a special prayer meeting. For those of you who are taking notes, that's that's number two. Hold a special prayer meeting. You can phone up. You can phone up uh, three, four, five, 10, or 20 people and, and say, just say, hey, um, on some, such a day and some, such a time and place. We want to invite you to come for a one-hour prayer gathering. We, we, just want to, we just want to praise the Lord for answered prayer. We want to express our thanksgiving for the, for the good things the Lord has done. We want, to thanks, thank, we want to express thanks to the Lord for the birth of our baby. Or we want to give God thanks for the promotion at work or the new job or the new home. Or we want to praise God for our son or daughter's graduation from university. Or whatever the case might be, you can hold a a brief special prayer meeting. Amen? We're just talking about a few ways in which you can express gratitude and honor and love for the Lord. Here's another way, number three. Number three is simply serve. Simply serve. Verse 2. Verse 2 in John 12 says, A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha, what? Martha served. Martha served. I really like what Dr. William Barclay says about Martha. He says this. He says, Martha was serving at the table. She loved Jesus. She was a practical woman. And the only way in which she could show her love was by the works of her hands. And then he goes on and says, It is just as possible to serve Jesus in the kitchen as on the public platform or in a career linked in the public gaze. Isn't that lovely? Thank you. Thank you to those of you who simply serve. Thank you to those of you who simply serve, for example, on our kitchen committee. Last Sunday at our 11 a.m. worship time, we honored Heather Parsonson for 34 years of service as our office administrator and secretary. And after church, as most of you know, we had a, a lovely reception in our fellowship hall to celebrate Heather's retirement. Today in our church bulletin, Heather put a big thank you, and I hope you've read it. Heather put a big thank you, and as a part of her thanks, she says this. She says, to the kitchen committee, you did it again. Another delicious array of food so nicely prepared and served. Thank you for your time and effort to make this celebration so special. Amen? And I want to especially say thank you to Dolores McIntosh, who has wonderfully led our kitchen committee. I saw Dolores uh, earlier. Dolores, where where are you? Where are you, my sister? Uh, Just stand for a moment. Uh, It's hard to see you back there. But Dolores, thank you for leading. Give her a hand, would you, for overseeing our kitchen committee? And Dolores will continue to, to help, but recently she turned over the leadership of the kitchen committee to uh, another competent man. This time that goes from the woman to the man over to Irv. Irv, you're here somewhere probably. God bless you. Whereabouts are you, Irv? Uh, up there somewhere? Amen. Oh, Irv, there you are. Okay, back there. All right, sir. All right, blessings on you. Thank you. Thank you to you and the others who work with you as volunteers, as volunteers, doing what what Martha did, serving, serving. Thank you to all of the Marthas, male and female. Amen? Another way in which you can show your gratitude and honor and love for Jesus is, is number four, volunteer in the nursery. Pastor Lisa spoke of this a little bit ago. Volunteer in the nursery. Every Sunday morning, we have precious little babies and toddlers who need to be cared for during the services. In fact, my, my own little three-and-a-half-year-old grandson, Yanni, is probably in the nursery earlier in the service. He was in the front here with my wife, Cindy, and but usually he'll he'll... When he's visiting with us from our daughter church, he'll, he'll, he'll be at the front there for a little while, and then he has a way of letting his grandmother know that uh, it's time for him to go to the nursery, you know. Uh, in your church bulletin, in your church bulletin, there's a lovely pink insert inviting you to volunteer in the nursery. If you didn't already fill it out during the offering time, I want to encourage you to take it out now. Take it now. Fill it out. Fill it out. And uh, g- give it to me or hand it to our, our, to our nursery director, Thelma Carjon. And I want to say thank you to Thelma for scheduling our nursery week by week, month by month. Uh, just for your interest, I remember how when our daughter Amy was a, a little girl our daughter Amy couldn't wait, uh, couldn't wait to be old enough to serve in our nurseries. Uh, once Amy was old enough and mature enough, she loved volunteering with the babies and the toddlers. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't. I hope it wasn't because she wanted to skip her father's sermons, okay? But she just really enjoyed helping in the nursery, and some of you will also discover the joy of assisting in our nurseries, as, as did my daughter. Now, now currently, as far as I know, Amy is not able to serve in the nursery very often at our new church where she and her husband are pastoring at our Connect Church because every Sunday morning during the regular service, she is leading the children's worship, the children's time. So I, I, I hear that she misses the, the little ones as um, she doesn't have as much opportunity to help in the nursery because of her other main responsibility as a volunteer children's church leader. Well, here's another way in which you can show your thanksgiving honor and love for Jesus. Number five, number five, sacrifice something significant. Look at verses uh, 3, 4, and 5, and 6, all right? Look, look at uh, verse 3 starting there. It says, "Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The home was filled with a fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, "That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor." Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So obviously, as we read that, obviously, Mary sacrificed something significant. A very expensive bottle of perfume worth a year's wages, according to Judas. Now some commentators, by the way, say that uh, the particular perfume was imported most likely from the mountains of India far away. And one author says, we see, we see here love's extravagance. Mary took the most precious thing she possessed and spent it all on Jesus. He says, love is not love if it nicely calculates the cost. It gives its all, and its only regret is that it does not have more to give. Isn't that something? It gives it all, it gives its all, and it only and its only regret is that it it not it does not have more to give. Wow. I want to point out to you. Uh, how the middle part of verse 3 says Mary, she, Mary anointed Jesus' feet with it that is with the perfume wiping his feet with her hair the fact that she wiped his feet with her hair is actually very significant in Palestine in the first century no respectable woman would ever appear in public with her hair unbound. On the day a girl was married, her hair was bound up, and never again would she be seen in public with her hair flowing loose. That was a sign of an immoral woman if the hair was let loose, so to speak. Think about this with Mary's hair being let loose so she could wipe his feet with her hair. It was as if Mary, it was as if Mary was saying, you know what? I don't care what anyone else thinks. I just want to show Jesus my utmost gratitude, my utmost honor, my, my extravagant love as best as I can and still be appropriate. Amen? I want you to also notice how the last part of verse says, the house was filled with the fragrance. The house was filled with the fragrance. Those words are a reminder of how so often your lovely deed will often add to the beauty of life in general. Amen. Mary sacrificed something very significant. In the days or the weeks ahead, what might be what might be your significant sacrifice? Think with me for a few moments on this. What might be your significant sacrifice? Well, to begin with, I, wa- I want you to sincerely pray and say, Lord, what can be my significant sacrifice in these days ahead? I'll, I'll share with you some th- thoughts here. It's possible that your significant sacrifice might be a generous donation for world missions. For world missions. That's point A for those making notes. Uh, between now and the end of April, we have a goal of giving sixty thousand dollars for world missions and so far, we have raised nearly tw- twenty five thousand. Be open be open to the to the possibility of the Lord directing you to give a generous gift for world missions. The Church of the Nazarene has missionaries all over the world, and you and I have the priv- privilege of helping to support them. Amen. And speaking of world missions, this coming Wednesday evening at 7:15 in the middle section of the balcony, we have a wonderful mission service planned with a guest speaker, and I want to encourage you to join, to join our missionary president and myself and Pastor Lisa and the others who are normally here on Wednesday evenings. I want to invite you to join us for this time of learning about missions. Let it be so. Let it be so. It could be, it could be, on this question of what might be your significant sacrifice, it could be that you might want to give a generous gift to help people with leprosy. Someone, uh, someone, I hope you're that someone who has seen the nice brochure in the bulletin today, uh, basically telling a little bit about a leprosy ministry And uh, there are some parts in the world where leprosy is still a problem. It has been uh, contained. But there are still some people who need help because of leprosy. And you can take that brochure and and respond and mail it in and give, give your donation and respond in accordance with the way in which the Lord directs you. Or someone else might want to give. A generous donation to our church mortgage fund to help pay our monthly mortgage of over $14,000. Someone else might be glad to give to support our radio ministry. And as I say that, radio listeners, thank you for listening today. And radio listeners, perhaps you especially would like to send a generous donation to Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, 657 Milner Avenue in Scarborough, Postal code M1B2K4 to help support the radio ministry that many of you listen to every week. Someone else perhaps knows a family that is really in need, and you and you might help that family that is in need. That could mean buying them groceries, it could mean paying some of their utilities, or it could mean paying their rent or paying their mortgage for the next month. Or you could help them in some other practical ways. I mentioned earlier today in the service that, that uh, this very day, we have a gentleman from our church who is going home from hospital after having a quadruple heart bypass surgery. He lives on his own. He lives on his own. Um, not far from here, in fact. And it's going, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough for him to cook and do basic housework for a few weeks. And so I, I've put some information sheets on the communion table here. I've put some information sheets about his address, phone number, so that if, if you feel led to just, uh, just give him a, a phone call and just say, Brother Brent, uh, when can I come over and bring a meal? For you, or when can I come over and do some uh, housekeeping that you maybe need done? And in doing so, you, you can just say, I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. Amen? You're helping in just a simple, practical way. Let it be so. Help out of love for Jesus. The season of Lent begins. On Wednesday, February 14, Lent is a time for extra prayer, self-denial, and a time to sacrifice something significant. What might that be for you? For some of you, sacrificing something significant may mean sacrifice your time. Sacrifice your time for the Lord's work be open that's what I would say be open to how the Holy Spirit might lead you to sacrifice something significant now I have to tell you something you won't like because I don't like it myself when you decide to sacrifice something significant there might be someone who won't like it, or who will disagree with you. It happened with Mary. Look at verse four in John twelve. Look at verse four. After Mary pours the oil over Jesus, verse four. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple, who would, the disciple who would soon betray him, said. That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Right? Obviously Judas didn't like what she did. He didn't like it for his own selfish reasons, of course. What I'm saying, my friends, is when when you decide to sacrifice something significant for the Lord, don't be surprised If someone isn't happy about it, it's probably happened to some of you already. It it has happened to me numerous times over the years. For instance, uh, Rosewood Church of the Nazarene started by renting the gymnasium of Brimwood Boulevard Public School. In 1982 83, we built our first church building on Alex Boulevard, one block north of Finch and Brimley. We moved into that first building on Sunday, April the 17th, 1983. We had planned very carefully and very wisely, but still, when we finished construction, when we finished construction, we were about $44,000 short in paying all of the construction bills. Now, that may not seem like a huge amount, but we were very financially stretched at the time and and it was um, well it, it it was it was tough it was tough for a smaller congregation at that time. It was a lot of money forty four thousand was a lot of money for us to come up with and I still remember contractors contractors phoning me up uh weeks after their their um bill was due, they'd phone me up and say, Pastor Nick, we haven't seen a check from your church yet. Where's the money? And I would be honest with him and I would say, you know, we're working on it. We're working on it, sir. We're working on it, ma'am. You know, and then I get another phone call. Pastor Nick, your, your, your um, invoice is overdue by X number of weeks. You're gonna, we're going to be charging you interest soon. you you got to pay up. you got to pay up. I know, I know, we're working on it, we're working on it. So I I remember, I I remember um, how things went. Um, A few of you here might remember how in order to make up the $44,000 shortfall, we had what we called a leap of faith. We challenged our congregation to give as generously as possible And at that time, when we had the leap of faith, at that time, my my wife and I felt very clearly led by the Lord to give ten thousand dollars towards the shortfall. We didn't have, we didn't have ten thousand dollars. And as far as I recall, I believe we had maybe four or five hundred in the bank. We didn't have ten thousand dollars, and so we went to the bank. We went to the bank and we borrowed. We borrowed ten thousand dollars so we could donate it to our leap of faith. All that my wife and I were trying to do was to sacrifice something significant as we felt by the Lord. Soon after we gave the $10,000, a a gentleman in our church talked with me, to my surprise. He talked with me and he said, Pastor Nick, Pastor Nick, I'm, I'm really upset with you. Well, I was totally surprised because I didn't know what in the world I had done to upset him or anybody. I was totally surprised. And I, and I said, well, how come? How come you're upset with me? He said, well, I'm upset because you borrowed $10,000 to donate to our church. I said, yeah. And he went on to say, he said, I have money. I have money. And I could give, I could give more than $10,000, but I, want, I don't want to give it. And he said, and so it bothers me that you are willing to go and borrow to give, but I don't want to give what I already have. And so I I said to him, brother, my wife and I simply did what we know the Lord wanted us to do, and you need to do, all you need to do is to do what the Lord wants you to do. That's all, right? Uh, fortunately, fortunately, he and I continued to have a good relationship until, until he went to heaven. And uh, he went to be with the Lord many years ago or else I would not have told you this story and, and most of you wouldn't know who it is anyway. <laughs> what I'm saying is I learned, I learned about 35 years ago that even when you sacrifice something significant for the Lord someone someone might not be happy with what with what you did do it anyway all right do it anyway well why are you why are you helping with that why are you helping that person why are you helping that family or why are you giving to your church or why are you supporting missionaries do it anyway one last thought. There is a tendency for us to say, hear me now, because I've seen this too often. There's a tendency for us to say, tomorrow or next week or someday. I will sacrifice something significant for the Lord or for some person or for some family. Someday, someday I will speak those words of praise. Someday I will speak those words of encouragement. And I want to say to you, seize, seize the opportunity when You have it because tomorrow may be too late. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we see how Mary and Martha and Lazarus try to express their thanksgiving and honor and extravagant love for Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you by your Holy Spirit would move upon all of us and direct each one of us to do the same in these days ahead as we look towards Good Friday and Easter Sunday. I pray, Lord, that you, you, would, uh, you would help all of us to find ways by which we too can express thanksgiving, honor, and our love for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.